2: Welcome in. It is the run line right here on vcin.com, the sports betting network. I'm Brady Cannon, along with Adam Burke, live at the Circa Resort and Casino in downtown Las Vegas on this Sunday evening, August the 14th. Adam, hello to you, my friend. Good to be with you. And I, I need to thank you and Ben Wilson for letting me fill in and do this show. I don't know if a lot of people really know, but I love baseball. I, I think, uh, you know, people know I'm an NFL and a golf guy. But postseason baseball is probably my very favorite sport of all. So thank you very much.
3: Absolutely, good to have you here. Good to work with you again. We, I don't think we've worked together since the football season, where we did a couple of pro football blitzes together. But yeah, you know, I'm really looking forward to the pre or to the postseason. I should say. Right now, the market's gotten very tight. We'll talk about that as we go throughout the show. But I mean, when you get to the playoffs, every single pitch matters. Exactly. Right. Like, I mean, you could have a game changing moment on every single pitch. That that drama is unparalleled.
2: I think the intensity is only matched by the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yes. Yeah. All right. The Yankees and the Red Sox renewing their uh, their rivalry on Sunday night baseball tonight. A rubber match featuring Jameson Tyone and Michael Waka. New York closed as minus 125 favorites. The Red Sox actually saw a little money. New York was as high as maybe 140. Certainly minus 135 was a consensus number. But again, minus 125, the closer. With a total of nine and a half, and right now, certainly on an under pace as we are into the bottom of the fourth inning, and it's one nothing Red Sox right now. Your live total is down to six and a half. If you want to lay a run with the Red Sox, you've got to lay a dollar fifteen. Adam, this is one team playing for a World Series and another team that's playing out the string in the Boston Red Sox, but the Yankees are in town, and everybody in Boston has this game. This game has their attention. Yeah,
3: for sure. I mean, look, you know, for Boston, three games under five hundred now with this game pending. And, and as you said, I mean, they certainly have an outside shot at the wild card. But when you look at what happened with them at the trade deadline, uh, very disappointed in, in what they decided to do. They were more seller than buyer. They brought in some guys that, to me, didn't really make a whole lot of sense, like Tommy Pham. Just I don't really know what's going on with this team. And I realize that the, the AL East is very, very challenging, to say the least. Where you've got a pretty good Toronto team, despite losing a series here to the Guardians over the weekend, you've got the best team, one of the best teams in baseball, in the Yankees and the Rays. You know, a team that uh, Drew Rasmussen almost threw a perfect game for them today. He was through eight innings, gave up a leadoff hit in the ninth. So, you know, for Boston, it seems like they just they they don't quite have enough. And not to you know put the cart in front of the horse here or anything, but I've already started thinking about twenty twenty three. Some of the teams I want to play on, some of the teams I want to play against kind of isolating team needs in free agency and all that. And it's strange to me to look at the Red Sox and think about how much they actually need. Yeah. The lineup still looks fine. They'll probably lose J.D. Martinez at the end of the year, but they need a lot of pitching help. And they really do. They're getting it today from Michael Walker. He's pitched well, but other than that, they need help.
2: The New York Yankees are 8-13 and post-All-Star break coming into tonight's game. And what looked like a mere formality A few weeks ago, this team going over their season win total now is going to require a little bit of effort. They've got 48 games left on the schedule, including tonight, and the Yankees will need to go 20 and 28 or better for the season to get over that season win total. And again, this looked like a walk in the park a few weeks ago, and now the no is back in play. Yeah,
3: you know, one of the things about a team is, you know, if you want to have a bad team, have a bad bullpen. And the Yankees' bullpen has not been good since the All-Star break and really a little bit before that as well. That's been very hurtful to them, you know, and also they miss Giancarlo Stanton. I mean, you know, Aaron Judge is obviously you know, the MVP favorite and a significant one at that for a reason. He's having a phenomenal year, but there are some other holes in this lineup. And a guy like Stanton hitting right there behind Judge, you can know, you sometimes mix Benintendi up there if in the first spot or the third spot, it makes this lineup look a lot different, but you know, without Stanton, they're kind of missing that one B piece alongside Judge, and it's kind of hurt them. You know, they haven't had the same margin for error offensively, and as I talked about, the bullpen has has shown some some, cl- some cracks and some leaks here over the last few weeks.
2: Meanwhile, there are the Dodgers, a pretty unbelievable machine. After falling to Kansas City earlier today, final score was four to nothing. The game stays well under the total. They will need to close out the season by going 20 and 29 to go over their season win total. They have a 16 game lead in the division. And uh, for this team, I mean, it's like, should we already start tracking the magic number? I think the winning the division and going over their season win total are a done deal at this point. It's all about the pennant in the World Series for the Dodgers going forward. Yeah, plus 247 in run differential. I mean, this is just a
3: dominant baseball team. And they had one twelve 12 straight on the run line before losing here today 4 yep, yep. uh, nothing to the Royals. And Brady Singer was outstanding today, and he's been really, really Boy good. We'll t- there you go. We'll talk about him a little bit more uh, later on in the show as well. But you know, for this Dodgers team, I, I think what's really impressive about them is when they face the Padres or they face the Giants – They've really stepped it up, and they've really buried those two teams, at least in this division. The Giants have done a lot to bury themselves as well, but you know, when they get a challenger, they show up. You know, We saw them get swept by the Pirates earlier on in the year. We've seen them lose series to the Rockies, but you know, when they've played the Padres and the Giants, they've been fully invested, fully engaged, and frankly, when you look at this Dodgers team,
2: unless somebody throws an elite game against them, the only way they lose is if they beat themselves by not really being there. Well, and that's what happened today. Somebody threw an elite game against them. Uh, but like you say, they take care of business. They won the series with the Royals. Losing one game, we can we can live with that. But, uh, you know, the Padres, uh, if they were to drop two out of three to the Nationals, I mean, you've got to take care of business and win a series against a poor team if you're going to stay in the race and the Dodgers uh, they're, they're in a race of their own. Like I said, it's really just the pennant and the World Series at this point. If you look at the Dodgers' numbers to win the pennant, they are plus 160 uh, to win the World Series. They are plus 350. The New York Yankees, again, trailing the Boston Red Sox currently in the bottom of the fourth inning, one to nothing tonight. They are 2-1 to one to win the American League pennant and plus 450 to win the World Series. Um, any of those numbers at all attract you with roughly 48 games left on the schedule?
3: No, I don't think so. I mean, look, as good as the Dodgers are, and they're, I mean, they're exceptional, you know, we've already touched on that, but it does appear that, you know, maybe the road to the World Series goes through the New York Mets, where Mm -hmm. you're going to face DeGrom and Scherzer combined probably four times over a seven-game series, you know, depending on how the Mets are able to set it up, depending on what they have to, you know, what they have to do in terms of getting through the division series, but If we're assuming that they wind up playing the Mets, I mean, anything can happen in a series where you're getting Scherzer and DeGrom, you know, probably twice. Maybe you see one of them a third time in relief, something like that. So I think it's it's challenging to really play anything coming out of the National League because, you know, even the Braves, right? The Braves can hit with pretty much
2: anybody. Absolutely. So I think it's just hard to find value and equity in the National League. Well, speaking of the Mets, they blanked the Philadelphia Phillies 6 to nothing earlier today, and they are the second choice behind the Dodgers in the National League, plus 260 to win the pennant, plus 550 to win the World Series. Is that juicy enough for you? Because I, I agree with you. I mean, is there a better one-two punch than Scherzer and DeGrom in all of baseball? Uh, that's going to be tough no matter who you are, even for the Dodgers to get through. So is plus 550, is that a big enough carrot for you?
3: Yeah, I, I think that one's pretty close to, to being in range of, of consideration because also keep in mind, you know, now they reset the format for the playoffs where the top two teams get a bye. Mm-hmm. They don't have to play in that best of three wild card round. So, what that means for the Mets is that they don't have to burn Scherzer or DeGrom to get to that division series, whereas the opponent that they face will have to use their top starting pitchers. So, they're immediately at a disadvantage, whoever wins that wild card round to take on the Mets. And Also, when you think about the Mets here, right, so DeGrom and Scherzer are going to be favored just about every game Mm -hmm. that they pitch in. So if you're giving me them at plus 550 where they're going to be probably a, you know, let's say minus 170, minus 175 favorite with DeGrom and Scherzer in all of their games on average. Then to me, I kind of look at that situation and think, you know what, a plus 550 price is, is probably getting close to worth it.
2: And maybe it gives you enough room as well to have an option to hedge and not that you're going into making a futures bet, you know, thinking, okay, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to hedge this. You're trying to win the darn thing. But my point is, if you can put yourself in a position where you can guarantee a profit, I think it's nice to have both avenues when you're playing the futures market. Yeah, for sure. And look, again, it's kind of a, I don't want to say it's a
3: low risk proposition because every prop has risk, but- the Mets are going to be able to send out DeGrom and Scherzer for at least sixty percent of that NLDS series. It's mm-hmm. very hard to envision them losing to whichever team comes out of, you know, that wild card round. So you you almost not saying it's a given that they're going to get through the division series, but it, your five fifty should be live going into the NLCS. Mm-hmm. Where then they obviously run into the Dodgers and that's kind of a different animal. But you know, let's say that they're able to, you know, win the first two games with DeGrom and Scherzer maybe win it in three or four, not have to use them again, and they're good to go in games one and two of the of the NLCS,
2: then that's really where that ticket starts to get some equity. Uh, switching over to the American League real quick here before we get out of here, the Houston Astros are the first choice in the junior circuit, plus 140 to win the American League pennant and plus 350, the same price on the World Series as the Dodgers.
3: Yeah, and I, I think that's fair. I think that's reasonable, and especially with the Yankees and the struggles that they've been having here of late, particularly in the bullpen. The thing about the AL is I, I think you could make a case that the Yankees are the better of the two teams as long as their bullpen is going the way it should, because Houston's bullpen really doesn't jump off the page to me all that much. I agree
2: with you. It's re- Their starting pitching is fantastic.
3: Right. Starting pitching is good. The lineup is really good, especially when you're down Alvarez is healthy, but their bullpen is something that does worry me a little bit here come playoff time. So I wouldn't call them vulnerable. I think that's a little bit mm-hmm. of a stretch, mm-hmm. but I do think that you know all things considered, if the Yankees iron out their bullpen issues, then I think that's a team that you know I, I do still like to come out of the American League.
2: We have moved to the top of the fifth inning. A pitcher's duel here. Waka and Tyone both really pitching well in this game. Your in-game total has now dropped all the way down to five and a half. Still one to nothing. Red Sox in the top half of the fifth inning there at Fenway Park. We'll continue to keep tabs on Sunday Night Baseball as we roll along here inside the run line at v the sports betting network. To learn more.
0: You found v premier baseball betting show. This is The Run Line.
2: Baseball predictions made brighter. Join the Born in a Ballpark Challenge presented by Blue Moon to compete free for cash all season. Enter weekly predictions. If you dare. ...pools to fight for your share of $62,500 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Blue Moon now to join in on the action. Blue Moon made brighter. 21 years and over only. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Drink responsibly. Brady Cannon and Adam Burke back with you inside the run line, keeping an eye on Sunday Night Baseball, the New York Yankees and the Boston Red Sox. And uh, the no-hitter is no longer. Michael Waka had a no-hitter going for the Boston Red Sox for four and two-thirds innings, but he gives up a base hit there in the top half of the fifth, and the Yankees have a base runner with two down now, trailing one to nothing, and uh, quite an effort for really Tyone and Waka. Of course, Waka just giving up his first hit.
3: Yeah, and for Waka, this is pretty surprising because this is his first MLB start since June 28th, coming off the injured list with a shoulder issue. He's been very efficient, too, you know, because that's really important when you're coming back off of the injured list. The wheels
2: are coming off Adam. He just walked a hitter.
3: Yeah, you know, (laughs) he he may be tiring a little bit here, too. I mean, he's getting up around 60 pitches, and, you know, guys don't really get extended too much for the most part in their rehab outings, which is what I was saying that he's been very efficient to this point, which is certainly important because he's a guy that was going to be on a pitch count here in this one. So, you know, getting through five is is something I think is, that the Red Sox will be very happy with if he's able to do it here and get out of this inning.
2: Uh, just saw a graphic there on the broadcast that the uh, last uh, situ- last situation – or uh, they are 0 for 13 with runners in scoring position and two outs. Yeah,
3: I had him on Friday night. I think they went 1 for 10 in that game. Had a bunch of hard contact uh, off of Nate Uvalde, but they weren't able to do anything to – to score any runs there and then ultimately lost three to two in extras. And, and that's been a thing, too. You know, I mean, I think something that also needs to be said about this Yankees team real quick is, yes, they got off to that really historic start, mm-hmm. but regression was going to happen. They were going to have some issues with men in scoring position. The bullpen wasn't going to continue to maintain every single lead that the team had. But seeing it to this degree, seeing how much they've really struggled here of late, uh, that's a little bit surprising. I'm not surprised they cooled off and played at kind of a more normal pace. But you you mentioned it in the top. I mean, they have a losing record since the All-Star break. Mm -hmm. That's not really something that we would expect to see from them.
2: We were talking about their season win total. I mean, they were playing 700 baseball, and now they're playing five five games below 500 baseball since the All-Star break. As far as the season win total is concerned, over the last 21 games or so since the All-Star break, it's about an eight- or nine-game swing to the negative. Uh, So like I say uh, at the top, the the season win total is not yet in the bank for the New York Yankees. Uh, I want to spend a minute talking about the San Diego Padres, and it leads into you and I studying this baseball market as we get down the home stretch of the baseball season. Again, the last 48, 50 games or so, uh, I know you wanted to address that in the show today. The San Diego Padres, they got the day started. First pitch uh, going just after 9 a.m. Pacific time this morning, Blake Snell Facing Paulo Espino, Padres closed as minus 260 favorites with a total of eight and a half. They get the victory, a 6 nothing shutout, and they take two out of three from the Nationals. The Friars remain in the third and final hole of the National League wildcard race.
3: Yeah, so uh, look, first of all, let's talk about the Padres for a second and just you know the fact that I, the Juan Soto thing, I think kind of mispriced them a little bit in the market because mm-hmm. obviously he's an exceptional player. But on a game-by-game basis... There are still some concerns with his pitching staff. Sean Maniah has not pitched well of late. Joe Musgrove hasn't been as sharp as he was earlier on in the year. Uh, good effort today from Blake Snell, which they're going to need to continue to get. But their prices on a game-by-game basis got a little bit lofty out there in the market. And they've kind of come back down a little bit now. And then obviously here this weekend, the Fernando Tatis Jr. news that he's suspended for the rest of this season, plus the postseason, and the suspension will leak over into next year for a positive PED test. So it's 80 games for that. Um, You know, I still think this is a quality baseball team and and obviously with Soto and Bell, they fixed their biggest issue, which was hitting against right-handed pitching. But I think there are still some issues with this team that that maybe weren't necessarily priced into the market properly. Uh, It seems like now things have kind of caught up with them a little bit. And of course, you know, we'll get kind of a better barometer when they're not playing teams like the Nationals.
2: Yeah, I I wanted to really take the plus 270 with the Washington Nationals on Saturday because it was the first game back for San Diego since the news came out about Fernando Tatis Jr., and I thought maybe that would be a spot where you could kind of catch the Padres sulking a little bit, but Anibal Sanchez was on the bump. For the Washington Nationals, and that kept me away. And it looked for a long time like I was thanking myself for for staying away from that ball game. Sure enough, the Nationals score four runs combined in the sixth and seventh innings, and they win the game four to three. They cash as uh, plus two seventy underdogs, and I'm left saying, you know, shoulda, coulda, woulda. Um, does it? Do you feel like, and I feel like that that this team. Makes too many errors, and we were talking about this earlier with the Dodgers taking care of business of taking a series against a bad team. The Padres just feel like they are, are not at that level where where they can be beaten by a Washington Nationals on any given moment. And, uh, and and you kind of alluded to it too since the Juan Soto trade. Should they really have been minus thirty uh, minus three thirty favorites yesterday? But. But the Dodgers, the Houston Astros, they don't do that type of thing. They win the game against the Washington Nationals when they're minus 330.
3: Yeah, it's really important. I mean, you know, I'm a Cleveland Guardians fan, and I've watched them for the better part of a decade now beating teams they're supposed to beat. Mm-hmm. That's how they've made it to the playoffs. That's how they've you know, won several Central Division titles. They wind up with a losing record against teams 500 or better, and then when they get to the playoffs, with the exception of that 2016 season, they wind up not looking particularly good. So that's something that I kind of worry about a little bit with the Padres as well, you know, in terms of stepping up in class, how they fare in those games. It wasn't as much of an issue for them early on in the year, but it seems like as the season's gone along, they've kind of had some attrition on the pitching side. They've had some injuries to deal with. They've had some guys that were really good, then got kind of bad, then kind of leveled off. Consistency has been an issue for them, and. I mean, you know, this is something that has kind of plagued them for a while, right? They had that massive collapse, what was it, two years ago? Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. 2019. It wasn't during the I COVID short year. I remember, here. Uh,
2: I think it was the very first Giants World Series in 2010. The Padres lost like 21 of 22 of the final games of the season or something like
3: that. Yeah, for, for whatever reason, I don't know, bad luck kind of follows this team around in the second half. So hopefully that's not an issue for them. But look, I'll say this, right? So they go to Miami now. They start that series tomorrow. Then they play four with Washington at home. They play Cleveland at home, Kansas City, a San Francisco team. It's kind of been a little bit of a mess before running into the Dodgers again the first week of September. So they have the chance to get healthy here against some, some lackluster competition. So this is an, imp- an important stretch for them where you, know, you definitely want to see them perform more consistently against some of these inferior teams just to make sure they get themselves into that tournament of variance that's coming up in the playoffs, and then we'll see how they stack up against the better teams.
2: So that leads us to what you wanted to address, and that is the betting market, and the point relates to me wanting to jump on that big, juicy dog, the Washington Nationals, at plus 270.
3: Yeah, so when you look at the betting market right now, and I've had an awful stretch over the last four or five weeks, it's been really, really rough, you're paying kind of top of the market on a lot of these favorite teams. You know, A lot of these favorites are very juicy out there, they're big prices day after day after day, because... At this point, we know that there's a huge gap between the really good teams and the bad teams.
2: I mean, that that's been, and, and I even think the really good and the decent.
3: Right. Yes, I agree. It is a very tight. It's almost college football esque, mm-hmm. sort yeah. of where you know yeah. you've got Ohio State, Alabama, and Georgia that are clearly better than everybody else. In, in Major League Baseball, you've got you know well the Yankees have, have kind of leveled off now, but the Astros, mm-hmm. the Dodgers, the Mets, you know these teams just look really, really strong, and a lot of them are priced at the top of the market. So unless they're playing each other where you get kind of that lower number, kind of a coin flip scenario, something like that, you're seeing a lot of big prices out there. And the modeling crowd, I call them the quant crowd, they're the ones that create line moves overnight and early morning. Those are the betters that have influence, and they're betting off of their spreadsheets, their models, their projections to where we're seeing a lot of line movement right now on bigger underdogs. Mm-hmm. We're seeing them take chances with the plus 205s, the plus 210s, the plus 230s, all of that. Because to them, within their models, those games are mispriced. It's a hard way to make a living betting $2 dogs all the time in Major League Baseball. But we're seeing a lot of that steam because the books have propped these favorites up so high, these good teams. And it makes it hard to find line equity in Major League Baseball unless you're willing to take a shot on the big underdogs.
2: Yeah, that's a really interesting, I guess, uh conundrum there if you're trying to do this day in and day out and do you want to keep banging your head against the wall like you say taking those plus two dollar dogs and and how many are you going to hit you know are you going to hit one out of four one out of five i mean you've got to be closer to 500 to start turning a profit anyway Um, and and i certainly understand not wanting to lay the wood at minus 330 or whatever it is minus 280 um because you feel that, that that is priced improperly um, but do you just stay away? And again, if you're doing this for a living or, or whatever, um, maybe there's a situation where you can't necessarily stay away.
3: Yeah. And look, I, for me personally, it's really challenging because I write a daily article, right? So, I mean, I, I want to be able to put something out there. There are a lot of people that, you know, maybe you don't have to bet Major League Baseball and, you know, you can look ahead to, you know, the NFL season, the college football season, whatever the case may be. For me, you know, I kind of have to be out there front facing on a daily basis. And it's been. It's been a challenge.
2: Well, I can tell you You gravitate
3: it. more towards totals too, which are yeah. you know. Yeah, tough that, sometimes. That's a
2: good point. You can certainly look into other markets. So the the baseball prop market, the player props, mm-hmm. is something that James Salinas and I talk about on the weekends. Some really good opportunities there, you know, over under total strikeouts, total outs, that type of thing. We'll be back with more of the run line in just a moment. Stick around.
0: VESA's premier baseball betting show, this is The Run Line.
2: The college football guide is out now. Start your football season out on the right foot with expert profiles of all 131 teams, including team trends, power ratings, and over-under recommendations, plus our best, sec- uh, best season win total bets, Heisman hopefuls, and playoff projections. The only way to get access to this year's football betting guide is to become a VEASAN All-Access subscriber. Sign up for VEASAN All-Access today and get everything we offer for the entire football season, including our upcoming pro football betting guide. Subscribe now at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Brady Cannon and Adam Burke with you inside the run line. Sunday night baseball going on a pitcher's duel between the Yankees and the Red Sox. One to nothing. The Red Sox still out in front. Yankees batting in the top of the sixth inning. And your in-game total now down to four and a half, Adam. Um, Obviously, we've got about three and a half innings of baseball left. Would you take a shot with going over the in-game total? Well,
3: I don't really think much of Boston's bullpen, and Uh they've worked a lot here so far this week. They had a really long two-game series against the Braves earlier on in the week, and of course, anytime you face the Yankees, it's tricky. And the Yankees' bullpen has had plenty of issues here of late. So I'll say this. I don't know if I'd play the over, but I definitely wouldn't play the under.
2: Well, if you're going to play the over, do it now because uh, Aaron Judge is at the plate with a runner at first base and one down. So this could become a three-run ball game here real quickly. Again, Boston leading 1-0. one to nothing. Um, Adam, did you know that uh, we were going to go streaking during today's show? Through the quad and through the gymnasium. <laughs> yes, we are going to talk about streaks in Major League Baseball, both good and bad. And let's start with the Los Angeles Dodgers. They were on a run of 12 straight run line covers entering Sunday. They have outscored their opponents by 60 runs, 91-31 to 31 in those past 12 games. Now, All good things must come to an end. They were blanked by the Royals today, 4 to nothing. But what a run really the entire season has been for the Dodgers.
3: Yeah, interesting that we lead off with this one. And, of course, it it ends here today, which is something that we've actually (laughs) had a lot with the regression report with Ben Wilson and I. Uh, But, look, I mean, this Dodgers team has not won many one-run games this year. They've won a lot of games on the run line, and they've been really dominant. And this is something that teams can do when they have a deep bullpen because even when they don't use their primary guys – their guys in lower leverage are still really really good so they're able to keep the other team at bay and kind of add on as the game goes along but very impressive uh from what we've seen from the Dodgers here so far this season and again their depth is is really remarkable and Dustin May comes back this week uh he'll make a start he's back in the rotation now after his final rehab start today um they have Walker Bueller coming back
2: next month uh, it's just uh very, it's very, very really impressive. kind of laughable the the embarrassment of riches James uh, Salinas and I were laughing about it on the program yesterday, and I know he hasn't had the greatest season. But this guy, year in and year out, is an MVP candidate before the season begins. Cody Bellinger was batting in the nine hole. Yeah, that kind of tells you a lot about the Dodgers.
3: It does, and and also, I, I maybe it's just kind of the culture here with the Dodgers, or just how challenging it is to you know try and turn that lineup over, where even Joey Gallo's come in, you know, and, and had success here. He's found his long ball stroke once again. So. I don't know. They
2: uh they look like they're going to be very very tough to beat in October for sure. The Miami Marlins had scored just 3 or fewer runs in 14 straight games entering Sunday and make that 15 games in a row as they extend the streak they fell to the Atlanta Braves at home today 3 to 1. Uh, you talk about an anemic offense that certainly has been the Miami Marlins as of late.
3: Yeah, pretty brutal for them. They were actually up one nothing going to the top of the ninth. Gave up three runs to a Braves offense that is really, really good when they're able to make a lot of contact, when they don't strike out a whole lot. They did strike out uh, only six times in this game, drew eight walks. I can't believe they only managed three runs in that one. But for Miami, you know, they, they had that big team meeting earlier on this year about Jazz Chisholm and you know, everyone kind of aired their grievances and all that. All they've done since Jazz Chisholm got hurt is find out how much they miss him. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a team that just cannot score. doesn't matter if they're at home or on the road. They're just completely unable to generate offense. And, you know, John Birdie's even back now, a guy who's one of their better on-base guys, one of their better base runners. He's a very good base stealer. But uh, even even he hasn't been much help here of late.
2: The Atlanta Braves had won five in a row coming into Sunday after having dropped four of five to the New York Mets and now make it six wins in a row for Atlanta. You mentioned it. They came back to beat the Miami Marlins, trailing one to nothing, scored all three runs in the top of the ninth inning to beat the Marlins, and it looks like the Braves are rolling once again.
3: Yeah, they definitely are. And and look, I mean, they were held in check a little bit offensively here in this series against the Marlins down in South Florida. They only had four on Friday, five on Saturday, Six in game two with a doubleheader, but then three here today. That's holding them in check. I mean, this is a very, very strong lineup. They make a ton of uh, high-quality contact. And and like Ben and I have talked about all season long here on the show, when they're facing pitch-to-contact guys, they're going to do damage. When they're facing guys that can get swings and misses, they're going to struggle, which is why I'm kind of a little bit cool on the Braves going into the postseason here because – you wind up facing a lot better pitching. Mm-hmm. With that said, I mean, they still won the World Series last year, and they still had a similar team that did swing and miss quite a bit, did strike out quite a bit, and they didn't even have Ronald Acuna Jr. for that run. So maybe they're able to overcome it in a smaller sample size, but this is a team that, you know, we were talking during the break about alternative ways to bet Major League Baseball. Yes. You know, I mean, this is a team, you look at their team totals, you look at some of their player props, stuff like that. When they're facing a pitch to contact pitcher, they have a really high likelihood of putting up a lot of runs. But when they face high strikeout guys, that's when they struggle. So that's an angle, I think, from a team total standpoint, we may want to look at as we go forward here. But that being said, they start a series here against the Mets, yes. four-game series, where they do get both Scherzer- and DeGrom. So let's see what happens when they run it back from uh, losing four of five earlier this month.
2: Well, they have finally uh, come back down to earth here in the month of August. The Atlanta Braves, if you just look at what they were doing in June and July, they were 39-14. and That is 735 winning baseball percentage right there. Uh, They were uh, probably the hottest team in baseball for June and July. Uh, the Oakland A's had dropped seven straight going into Sunday and now make it eight straight as they fall to the Astros 6-3. to three. The Oakland Athletics swept by the Houston Astros, and uh, things just continue to get worse for Oakland.
3: Yeah, shocker, right? That yeah. Houston came back and swept them. After Houston had an awful series in Oakland a couple of weeks ago where they got swept at the Coliseum, they returned the favor here. Uh, they do win 6-3 to three today. And then also the Tigers, another team that's uh, – continuing to go in the wrong direction here. They've dropped seven in a row as well. And this is really tough, Brady, because we talked already about, you know, the big inflated favorite prices that are out Mm -hmm. there. I mean, there's – it's very hard to find a scenario in which you actually want to bet on Oakland and Detroit, but this is a team where, you know, their underdog prices now, because nobody wants to touch them, probably do have some measure of line equity to them. But the Tigers, their biggest issue right now as we go forward here – Their bullpen was outstanding in the first half of the season, but they had some younger guys, some guys that weren't used to pitching and leverage. They're kind of hitting a wall now. So the only good part of this Tigers team is kind of falling apart. And much like the Marlins, they don't score. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't really help them too much because, you know, another thing we were talking about during the break, and I do want to mention this real quickly here, is that a team like the Marlins, right? Three or fewer runs in 15 straight games. Betting on underdogs when their offensive expectation is if you get four, you're really lucky. (laughs) It's hard to bet on a team to win a game four to three, three to two, three to one, something like that. So that's another wrinkle and another layer to the challenges of betting underdogs is that they're generally underdogs because they don't score.
2: So you're asking them to do something that's really hard to do win a three to two type of game. The Detroit Tigers, as you mentioned, they were on a six-game losing streak. They extend that to seven as they fall to the Detroit Tigers today, five to three, your final there. Um, but what you're talking about was some of these lines, the Houston Astros' uh, consensus price was minus 260 over the Oakland A's today. The consensus price on the White Sox was minus 200 over Detroit that does, and and if you look at the opener, it, it opened at minus two twenty. So there you say, there you you know have it. People taking some action on the underdog didn't work out too well today.
3: Right, and, and you look at Chicago. I mean, Lance Lynn has not pitched well mm-hmm. since he came back from the injured list. He this is kind of a throwaway Had that year. for him. Great outing against the Giants when he first right. came back. Mm-hmm. This has been a throwaway year for him. Where you know I, I'm always leery of guys that miss spring training or get hurt early on in the season. Because then you're playing catch-up all year long. You never fully feel comfortable. And that's been the case for Lance Lynn here. But there he was today, you know, a $2 favorite, when he's struggled for the most part. So that just speaks to, again, just the the pricing, the market structure for these really bad teams. And one thing that we do see a lot, and we see this a lot with the Nationals and Josiah Gray, who they wound up getting in the Trey Turner-Max Scherzer deal last year. When you get these bad teams with whatever classifies as an ace for them, money comes in on them a lot. Because, you know, again, they're priced so high in the market by being a bad team, but if they have a starter that's pretty good, you know, think about Brady Singer, for example, with Kansas City. The Royals are not a good team. Brady Singer's having a monster year. I have so bet on pitches, him a few
2: times as an underdog. I love playing him as an underdog. Yeah,
3: when he pitches, his number is going to come down, and what he did today against the Dodgers – there may not be a whole lot of value left on him, though.
2: Yeah, you're. I know you're absolutely right. By the way, the Boston Red Sox have a runner on. Tommy Pham gets a base hit. A runner on first base with nobody down in the bottom half of the sixth inning. They continue to lead the Yankees one to nothing, and your in-game total all the way down to four and a half. Now we're coming back on the other side in just a moment. Stick around. It's the run line right here at Sin.
3: Free today.
0: You found VCEN's premier baseball betting show. This is The Run Line.
2: Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vsin.com to check the current betting splits data. You want to know where the money and the bets are moving for every game? Well, the betting splits page is updated every 10 minutes so you can see changes in all of the action. Find out where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. You can check out not just today's action, but future events as well. Betting splits is another way that vsin is here to make you a smarter, better year-round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at vcin.com. And uh, Sunday Night Baseball is headed towards the over, not uh, over the total, but over the in-game total you and I were discussing uh, a couple segments ago. It uh, it was four and a half. Aaron Judge was at the plate. He ended up striking out. But Rafael Devers, he does hit a two-run homer for the Boston Red Sox off of Jamison Tyone. He brings in Tommy Pham, and the Red Sox now out to a three to nothing lead. Your in-game total did hit six, now down to five and a half. uh, As we continue uh, watching the Red Sox put it to the Yankees here in the bottom of the sixth inning, still uh, just one out in the inning, I believe. Yes, just one out, and the Red Sox, again, take a three to nothing lead and uh, about ready to look. What looks to me, Adam, looks like they're going to take two out of three from the Yankees here pretty quick.
3: Yeah, I mean, the Yankees... Squandered a really good opportunity on Friday, as we talked about already. And I was on New York in that one. they lose that game three to two in extra innings. Uh, they had plenty of chances. They made a lot of hard contact, but you know, they weren't really able to cash in. Uh, and, and this is, you know, a live betting angle that we can talk about here. Kind of consider not just this season, but as we go forward as well.
2: That that third time through the order, mm-hmm. you know, it's such a big yeah. problem for pitchers. And, and Rafael and Devers, Waka, is guy Waka was able to be tremendous, right? The third time, but uh, not so much for Tyone.
3: Yeah, and, and I mean, Devers is a guy, that, a great hitter, phenomenal hitter. When he's been in the lineup, the Red Sox lineup has been much better, and he gets that big two-run homer here. Interesting. We'll see what happens here with the Yankees on this homestand because they play three with Tampa Bay starting tomorrow night, and then they play four with Toronto, and then they finish up the Subway Series with the Mets where they played two at City Field. That is not an now easy Now they'll road. play two at Yankee Stadium. That's a really tricky nine-game homestand for a Yankees team that has not been playing well. So I'll be really curious to see how their games are priced. We'll talk more about Monday's game here at the tail end of today's show, but I'll be curious to see how they end up being priced for that homestand where you still have to respect the immense potential that this team has. Right. But also, those are three pretty high-quality opponents with a team that's not playing overly well.
2: Absolutely. You know, it'd be neat to see a prop bet, like uh, what would be their under-over win total of those nine games. Do you make it 4.5? Is it 5.5? Um But uh, the Yankees, like you were saying, you may be able to get some good prices because Mm -hmm. of this slump that they've been in ever since the All-Star break. And and you go up against these very good teams in Tampa Bay, Toronto, and the New York Mets. You might be able to get some good prices on the Yankees.
3: Well, it does look like, assuming there are no rainouts, nothing changes, uh, Monday and Tuesday next week, Max Scherzer, Jacob DeGrom. So that's what they wind up getting. Uh, they'll get Alec Oh, Manoa. they're, they're going to get that against the Yankees? Yeah, the Mets and wow. the Yankees. They got Alec Manoa on Sunday. Uh, again, if everything kind of stays intact. So, I mean, look, they're facing some, Kevin Gaussman in this, in this homestand as well. So, you know, that offense will be challenged and, and we'll see if they're able to, you know, uh, kind of get back on track here.
2: Well, you brought something to my attention today that I was not really aware of the thought or how it's manipulated. And that is pitchers on an innings limit. I really didn't know that that was kind of an in vogue thing that, and it seems a little bit below the surface. Like it's not something that you say managers necessarily advertise that they're actively doing this type of thing. But explain that to me and our audience, and because it's very important when it comes to handicapping and betting baseball.
3: Yeah, so again, I mean, something that's really important to keep in mind is that the the line for a game is predicated on the starting pitchers. Right, right? sure. You know, so they have such a significant influence in how that game ends up getting lined. But as we go forward, there will be some pitchers that are limited to 3 or 4 innings. You know, specifically with teams that are kind of out of it a little bit or maybe some teams that are really really good that have a buffer. You know, the Astros may not be pushing guys like Christian Javier or Framber Valdez as hard as they were earlier on in the year because they have bigger things in mind. Similarly, there are some teams that are not doing anything this season to where they're not going to burn out their pitchers, especially some of their young arms that have come up and performed well. So, you know, you want to kind of crowdsource this on Twitter, and I have a beat writer Twitter list that I look at every single day to see what they're talking about, what the managers have said, and all of that. There are some guys, you know, Andre Pallan is a guy who's pitched really well for the Cardinals here, but he's had a big innings increase this season. They were using him as a reliever early in the year, winds up going into the rotation because they needed help. Well, now he's on an innings limit. So that's a guy who probably either goes from the rotation to the bullpen or when he starts, it becomes more of a bullpen game. These are things you have to know, because that's a guy with a sub-three ERA that he may only go through the lineup one time, and the reliever coming in in the fourth is not as good as the reliever protecting a one-run lead in the eighth. So those are really important handicapping things that you want to keep in mind, specifically with younger arms. I thought that, you know, I kind of saw in passing Drew Rasmussen, who went eight innings today uh, perfect before giving up a run in the ninth, I thought I saw that they were going to kind of limit him a little bit. Maybe they pushed him today because he was you know, chasing history down, but that's a guy who you know, hasn't really pitched as much as he has this season. He's been banged up a little bit too. George Kirby for the Mariners, young arm, hard thrower. Maybe they use a piggyback. You know, He pitches four innings. Somebody else pitches four innings. Or we may see some of these guys end up with openers. We may see six-man rotations. These are things you have to know when you're handicapping baseball, and as much of a cesspool as Twitter can be at times, <laughs> it's still a very valuable source of information. And knowing innings limits, knowing that guys may be on pitch counts is really important as we go through the last six or so weeks of the regular season.
2: Well, you just brought up the word pitch count. And is there a difference between a pitch count and an innings limit in your mind?
3: Yeah, I think so. You know, I think it's really, first of all, it's hard as a pitcher, right? If you go out there knowing... I'm only going to throw four innings, or I'm only going to throw 60 pitches. Uh You know, you you kind of, I think it changes your mindset, you know, and for some guys it may help because if they don't have to try and maintain for six innings, they don't have to hold anything back, you know, but also you're getting in the middle innings and you know that your time is kind of coming to an end for that start, you know, then you may kind of tighten up a little bit. I think there could be some very good live betting opportunities uh, with this because, The algorithms are not going to know that a pitcher is going to be pulled after three innings or something like that. So you may want to look for that. You may want to look for some live betting situations where, you know, a bad bullpen may be coming into a game early because of an innings limit. The live betting algorithm has no idea. So that's definitely something you can look to take advantage of as well.
2: What if you're the manager and you don't necessarily tell your pitcher that he's on an innings limit or a pitch count or what have you? Because it seems to me like you were just pointing out, That would really get into the head of some guys, if not all pitchers.
3: Right. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I'm looking this up because I think I saw it in his last start. I want to say that Drew Rasmussen only threw like 33 pitches or something Hmm. like that. Um, And I don't think he really knew. You know, they were kind of like, well, it wasn't an injury. It was just kind of, you know, something had happened. Yeah, he went three innings. He faced nine batters. And they said after the game, well, it wasn't an injury. Maybe they were just kind of trying to maintain his pitch count a little bit, maintain his innings. Then he goes out today. Throws eight innings. So my guess would be in Rasmussen's next start, and I don't know this for sure. I'm just speculating here. He may pitch three innings and then be out of the game because he got pushed so far when they're not really trying to do that. So those are things that you want to try to keep in mind as well. That you know, this may be kind of variable too. Where, you know, I think we saw the Tigers do it a lot last year. Um, you know, teams that have a lot of young starting pitchers that are reaching new innings thresholds. Like, there was talk about maybe Spencer Strider for the Braves, who's been you know in the NL Rookie of the Year discussion throughout the course of the season. There was some talk that maybe they'd limit his innings, but instead what they did was they acquired Jake Odorizzi to go with a six-man rotation. So they'll just give him a little bit more time off in between starts, kind of spread him out a little bit more. But you know there are a lot of different ways that teams can do this, but it will be a thing here as we go forward, specifically with young starting pitchers.
2: Very interesting, and it's just another way that the game of baseball has changed versus what it was 20, 30 years ago. Uh, Drew Rasmussen for Tampa Bay, I imagine will be a topic that you're going to write about in the VSIN newsletter, the next time he is up to start a ball game, uh, because I thought you brought up a very good point there. With him going an extended amount of time today, and certainly they weren't going to pull him from the game uh, when he had a perfect game going. Uh, you let a guy go when he's got that type of thing going, but you're right. His next time out might be an opportunity either going against him or on him. It'll depend on what the situation presents, but something certainly uh, worth taking a look at from a handicapping standpoint. The uh, New York Yankees get out of the sixth inning and now head to the top of the seventh inning, still trailing the Boston Red Sox three to nothing. Anthony Rizzo starting things off for the New York Yankees. He is batting with no outs. The in-game total has moved back down to five, and the Boston Red Sox minus a thousand on the in-game money line. You think uh, what? What do you give the chances uh, the New York Yankees coming back here, Adam? They're plus five fifty in the market. You want any piece of that?
3: Uh. No, I mean, they're doing nothing against Michael Wacca, which is really not a great sign. But you know, also, I mean, I don't love this Red Sox bullpen, but now you're getting to a point where they may only need six outs from that group. And, of course, the Yankees do play right away tomorrow against Tampa Bay, so they don't get that Monday
2: off day after Sunday Night Baseball. Looks like we're headed for a getaway day under here on a Sunday between the Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees. One hour in the books. We'll be back with more of The Run Line in just a moment.